stuff we did last week just kind of go off the stories off the Facebook page, and we'll kind of put on the NASCAR stuff. So we'll start with the race cars first. Perfect. Um, like I said on the Instagram thing yesterday, we're kind of staying away from the political end of NASCAR stuff, but maybe a little bit. Oh, I did see that with the flag and everything, so we'll we'll yeah. steer clear of some of that. But it, that's getting to be very interesting, along with I guess everything else. You know, and like I said, you know, NASCAR they have banned the use of the Confederate flag down there. And the only thing I got a problem with that is is how many of these guys down there have that tattooed on their chest and they're gonna be without their shirt on? They're gonna kick them out. <laughs> you know, the fans. I mean, not the drivers. So many guys have it painted on their cars or their flags. It's it's a good change, yes, but it's going to take a little time because force of habit, people are going to bring their stuff down and they got it painted on their motorhome or they got their flag up there already. Just, you know, time, it's not going to be an immediate change, but this is a change that they make it done. You know, time will take care of that, I think. But uh, NASCAR has officially banned the Confederate flag from all the races. Uh, again, not knowing if that means fans can bring it or not, but we'll see how that goes. A statement from, the, from NASCAR says... The presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, our competitors, and our industry. Bringing people together around a love for racing and the community that it creates is what makes our fans and sports special. The display of the Confederate flag will be prohibited from all NASCAR events on properties. Um, that's their official statement, so they're not going to have that anymore. Um, Interesting. Coming up, they're going to have some live events coming up here, too. Uh, they're going to start letting fans in at some of these events. Uh, Talladega will host a limited number of guests at the Geico 500 on June 21st. Um, I've heard some different events. Uh, they got different ways of doing it. They're going to have it for, um, like for the one at Talladega. Their uh, statement says, The offer is open exclusively to first-come, first-served basis to fans who have purchased tickets or reserved camping the originally scheduled Geico 500 on April 26th and live within 150 miles of the track site in Alabama. So it's kind of just for the locals, but that's okay. Um, some fans are better than none. We're slowly getting back into it here. NASCAR has also changed some of their dates coming out for races because of the COVID-19 reschedule stuff. If you notice, they've kind of done two races at the same track in a week, trying to get all the races in without moving people around. Which is fine. Uh, there's an updated schedule. There's stuff up there. And one thing that was brought up is uh, this year their 4th of July race is in Indianapolis. Um, usually that race is always held every year at Daytona Beach, the Firecracker 400. 4th of July weekend has always been at Daytona. Uh, so I looked it up. I'm like, what the hell, you know? So uh, here it is. I got the... Firecracker uh, 400 is leaving Daytona Beach. Yeah, here's the image up there now for the 4th of July uh, weekend for NASCAR uh, in Indianapolis, like you said. Interesting. Yeah. DIS, which is Daytona International Speedway, NASCAR Series Summer Race, is part of the mass shuffling of the schedule for 2020. Uh, the Coke Zero Sugar 400, which is the Speedway will host on the 4th of July weekend, since it opened in 1959. Uh, we moved to August 29th this year. It's being moved to Indianapolis Speedway this year just because, again, the whole COVID-19 thing moving around. We'll be back at Daytona next year for that weekend. So okay. um, those of you who will plan your trips down there for that. Well, no one's planning a trip this year anyway, but still plan on doing it next year for that one there. Um, Homestead Miami Speedway also has, uh, we'll invite it to a hundred, or I'm sorry, we'll invite it to a thousand guests uh, at the Homestead Air Reserve Base and U.S. Southern Command for the Durrell races on Sunday. So that's kind of nice there too. They're inviting some of the, uh, military and stuff over to watch. That's kind of a neat thing to do. 
Uh, they're inviting them in. And once again, this is uh, from the postponed races back in April. Uh, NASCAR also, they had the thing, excuse me, they had a thing this week because um, of the heat. If you notice on their bubble walls, we got out of this car. You gotta remember, these guys are racing in a 100 degree heat. They got these fire suits on. It's like any other sport, man. Give them five, ten minutes afterwards before you start talking to them. I felt, I felt embarrassed for Bubba. You passed out during the interview live on TV. Had to be embarrassing. It's like any other sport. Give them five, ten minutes afterwards. Don't get them as they're jumping out of the car. Uh, NASCAR, again, has one big thing coming up this uh, June 16th. It'll be on the NBC Sports Network channel. Uh, if you can find that on your cable system every now and then, they, they got some good stuff on there. But they're going to have the NASCAR Hall of Fame class. And they introduced those at 10 guys inducted into the class this year. The NASCAR Hall of Fame, and there they are. Um, Neil Bonnet, Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards, Harry Gant. I remember those as a kid when I first started watching racing. It's following those names, seeing them race. Of course, Dale Jr., a lot of people know that. Um, some of their names on the Ricky Rudd, I remember seeing him. Some of the other guys were just kind of getting out of it before I got in, so I'm not real familiar with their careers. I'm not a one to say they deserve or not. I mean, NASCAR's no idiots. They don't put you in just because you had a popular name. Um, the was a little about Dale Jr. He had a good career. Okay, yes, he had a good name too, but he's maybe going in a little sooner than normal because of his name, but a deserving shot for all those guys, so congratulations to them. June 16th, NBC. Sports Network will have that on. You can watch that there. Again, NASCAR has made a lot of changes lately. Um, Bubba Wallace, like I mentioned earlier, he's the only African-American NASCAR driver. So a lot of pensions on him. feel kind of bad for God, but he's kind of been the spokesman for the sport. And he's done a real classy job at it. He's, hasn't, he's been a good spokesman. Let's just put it that way. Have you seen any of the interviews with him? I think he's done a good job speaking to the points and not getting carried away with stuff. So... Kudos to Bubba for keeping it uh, to the point and not getting over over carried away with it. But um, there is other sports going on. We'll get to those. Now. I said that was kind of the NASCAR rant, if you will. Um, other sports are getting going now, too. The NBA, their governor said that they're going to start resuming their season for 22 teams. Coming up with playoffs in Orlando. 22 teams, I said, yes. That's not all the teams. Bottom feeders aren't going, which is the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have issued, and a lot of these other teams said, hey, if our guys don't go, that's going to be like 10 months without them playing basketball. They're kind of like volunteering their services. Like, hey, can our players come down and help practice and work out with guys? Can you scrimmage against them? So just for so they can stay in the loop and stay in shape. The NBA is planning their season to start again. Again, I don't know the official format, how they're doing it. It's still kind of a work in progress, the games and the locations. I know it's going to be at Disney down there. It's going to all be at one spot. I don't know how the NBA is going to do it for travel dates because you're not traveling, you're there. But for TV reasons, I don't know what the exact TV deal is. That's kind of a fight between TNT and ESPN for them to have. Um, you know, ESPN has ESPN, ESPN2, and other networks to play it on. TNT also owns TBS and uh, some other channels. But I don't know how many arenas are going to have access to officially that so uh you just have to keep an eye open watch our facebook page instagram page we'll keep you posted but nba is having 22 teams in bottom four gonna play like a round robin to cut it down some more be kind of a little different format something fun uh viewer friendly i think they're kind of looking for on this so kind of a tournament format so let's keep that going there major league baseball uh the commissioner i'm not a fan of the commissioner sorry uh, we are not friends on facebook we do not send christmas cards to each other 
Um, but he said they will be playing baseball this year. Uh, he did state make a statement on uh, the MLB Network before the draft the other night, saying they might have to go back to their original date they had. They have so many different agreements you've seen on our Facebook page. 82-game schedule, 144-game schedule, 75-game schedule, full pay, half pay, 75% pay. They're hammered out. I have said 4th of July weekend, they want to start spring training again, resume spring training, get them all back in shape. I'm sure they're, that's kind of a, a good idea, in it, I think, in a way. Gave them a lockdown date. Okay, we got to get this settled. What do we do for pay? What do we do for this, that, other thing? Um, also, some other things they brought up is with their contracts coming up, and they'll probably try it now during the shortened season, the universal DH. Um, I'm not a DH fan, National League guy, so I'm, you're playing, you're the pitcher, you're back. That's the way it is. But with early games, so much not everything else, they do need the uniform that in a way. They're going to go Universal DH. Great. Let's do it. Let's get it all over with. Let's hammer that out. And also, now is the time baseball might geographically realign some of their, their divisions. Um, with expansion, when the Astros went to the American League and the Brewers went to the National League with expansion a few years ago, they might tweak a few teams around and move some things there. I haven't heard about guys switching leagues per se, or teams switching leagues per se. But I think the divisions will be more geographically friendly coming up. Cut down on travel and expenses for that. Um, cut down on travel, you can sneak in more double headers because guys can have a day off afterwards. Of day off of rest, not per se, day off of travel from Los Angeles to Atlanta. You know, um, they can have a day off to rest. So let's hope that comes up good for them. Hope to get all that worked out here. Because I hate, I see a shortened season this year because of the COVID-19 and then in a year or two a straight shortened season so let's get this going and let's get this figured out Major League Baseball and like I said speaking of baseball the other day they had their draft this week um, cut it down to just six rounds because of the COVID-19 and they kind of did it the way um, football did where everybody was at home watching which is fine I, I kind of enjoyed it um, I had a list of the first overall picks the last 10 years and I just put that on the Facebook just to kind of show you some of these names. Hockey and baseball are one of those sports where you're drafted out of high school or college. You're not going pro right away like in football and basketball. So you'll see Bryce Harper was the number one, number one draft pick in 2010. Uh, Garrett Cole, Carlos Carrera. They're just kind of coming up to the league now. So it takes a few years to go through. There was a few exceptions, don't get me wrong. Guys come up right away. Jim Abbott never played minor league ball. Had a great career. A lot of these guys are just coming up now. Uh, Royce Lewis for the Twins are in 17. He was the number one pick. There's a lot of there in a couple years. He might be up. So some guys are speed, or, you know, going faster, some not. Uh, speaking of picks, Max Meyer of the Gophers. We've talked about him a lot here on the program. He was actually went higher than we thought. He was the number mm-hmm. three overall pick in the first round to the Miami Marlins. Um, saw some stuff today. The Marlins are even saying he might be ready by in, in a year or two. They say they think he's major league ready. They like his stuff. They like his form. I think and it's his. I think it's his his slider and his fastball. It sounds like, uh, and he's very fluid pitcher, and um, he could be up there very quick. Yeah, they like his mechanics too. I heard the one guy saying, you know, do the little things. He goes, look at his head when he goes. Look at his hips. He's all just. It's all there. Um, I think, like like Max even said in an interview, he goes, I'm a Minnesota kid. We don't play year round. I play hockey half the year. So he's just got to get in that year-round physical shape, I think. So a year or two, get him set up for that. Uh, Max will be up there, I think, in a couple years. Watch for his name. And if they have starting pitcher, too, so not to throw him to the bullpen. He'll be a starter. Baseball, a lot like hockey. He was drafted by the Marlins. 
no guarantee he'll be a Marlin in two, three years. These guys, this is who gets traded around sometimes. So we'll see. Another Minnesota kid in the draft was Max Carlson from Brunsville High School. He was uh, the number 192nd ranked guy. Uh, yeah. Hold on a second, Andy. Uh, here's that Max Meyer uh, photo yeah. uh, from the Gophers uh, we just mentioned. Yeah, uh, there he is. Uh, team USA. So many guys from Team USA get picked in the high rounds all the time. If you like amateur baseball, follow Team USA. That's your top ten picks right there, usually. So. And like you said, third overall. So that is uh, that is great. That is excellent news for him. Uh, Gopher. The best pick ever for a Gopher tied with Paul Molitor. So Molitor went to, I think it was Molitor. And the previous highest ever pitcher was Glenn Perkins, correct? So now yes. Max Meyer uh, has that new uh, new record here. Uh, highest related uh, pitcher in the Gophers' history to be drafted. Yeah, but like I was saying, Max Carlson from Burnsville High School. Uh, watch for his name. He might get like a spring training invite coming up. Um, I got a couple things. So the Twins' first round pick was Aaron Sabato. Uh, he went to uh, North Carolina. He's a he's a Tar Heel, yes. Uh, here, yeah. let me bring him up. Uh, that was a good a good shot with him. And, yeah, there we go. He was a nice pickup. Um, fans said a couple weeks ago they want us to talk more about North Carolina. Here we go, North Carolina. Tar Heels, baby. Um, he's a good kid. He'll be coming up. A uh, big kid too. Um, so he'll he'll be up in a while, I believe. Uh, first base. We got a bunch of first base now, so again. He may not be a twin in a few years, but I would look for that name for about five, six years being in the majors. Yeah, he is, uh, they're comparing him to Pete Alonzo. Yes, the polar bear, as we call him. And he's 6'2", 230 from North Carolina, and he's kind of a strange situation where he's a sophomore eligible uh, draft. Uh, usually you're coming out after your freshman year or after your junior year, but he, uh, because, I, I'm not sure if it was an injury or not, but he just finished his sophomore season, so... Uh, that number one pick for the Twins. That will be good. Very yeah. interesting. And then, uh, of course, we got for our Mets. Pete Crow Armstrong was the number one pick for the Mets. Um, kind of going off on a sidebar tangent here. I don't know how many uh, That was Pete's parents were in the TV show Heroes. Uh, John Armstrong, Matthew John Armstrong was the Oh, really? Ashley Crow was also on the show. That's how his folks met was on the TV show Heroes. And actually, his mom, Ashley Crow, let's go back to local notes here, because you know, like like our local TV stations stay here. If you were in Minnesota for more than a week, you're one of us. Ashley Crow was here for a few months as they filmed Little Big League at the Metrodome, and she played the little boy's mother in that movie. So Interesting. I didn't know that. As you're walking down this week, go watch those movies and go, hey, there's Pete Crow Armstrong's mom. So that's that. So he's got kind of some celebrity parents, but... Uh, Big kid, uh, 18 years old, bats right, throws right. Uh, the Mets have a good first base now, but I don't know first baseman moving to the outfield. It's just out of high school, for crying out loud. So let's see how the kid grows up. If it's bigger, stronger, where we can move him to. Bigger universal DH, great. Move the polar bear to DH and bring this kid up in a few years. So we are good with that. Mets fans are very happy with this pick. So we will see where his name pops up in a few years. Did you have any more notes on the draft, Dan? Uh, more Twins information or anything? Yes, I've got, I've got some uh, on the Twins. Uh, their second round pick was an outfielder from the Tennessee Volunteers, and third round they didn't have a pick. Nothing in the third round. Fourth round pick was a high school pitcher named Marco Raya, and then the fifth round selection is a, another outfielder out of right out of high school from Hawaii. 
Kalai Rosario was the was the Twins' fifth round pick. So those are that's all I've got for for the for the Twins. I was just reading about that fifth round pick, that kid today. Uh, big kid, big strong kid. Um, so look for him. And the reason the Twins had no third round pick was because of the Josh Donaldson signing. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. So they did give up that. That's why. Okay, gotcha. Um, more local sports news here. A thing on the Twitter account. Um, there's one guy right over the for uh, Minnesota Sports High School League. He puts up a just to kill time. He's got a he did a bracket for best high school names, sports names for teams. Uh, the voting is for a week. I'm just gonna kind of read off the list real quick. You can go to his site on the Minnesota Sports High School League. Go to John's page on there. John's journal is called, and uh, you can vote for your favorite name. Uh, here's some of the seedings and the rankings in the pretzel and cheese region. Uh, now, some schools that share a name, it's more the team nickname than the city. So there are some teams are combined. The number one seed is the, as we said during the high school football league now, remember, the Blooming Prairie Awesome Blossoms. Yes. Are the number one seed in that one. And they face off against uh, Boston, Duluth East, and New Orleans Cathedral, the Greyhounds. Oh, yes. Uh, the number two seed, Lanesboro Burroughs, against East Grand Forks Green Wave. And the Thank a ref region. It's the number one seed, Moorhead Spuds, against the Aiken Gobblers. <laughs> uh, number three, Winona Winehawks. W-I-N Hawks. Winehawks. Against the Fergus Falls Otters. Go Otters. Exactly. Uh, the Pork Chop region has the Thief River Falls, for those of us from northern Minnesota call them just TR. The Prowlers against the Anoka Tornadoes. Not a fan of the uh, The other matchup is Bemidji and Cloquet. Both have the name Lumberjacks. And they go up against the Wrens. The Wrens, Wrens in the Viva White Minnesota region is the number one seed, Lusabo Rabbits, against the Two Harbors Agates. And the number six seed, here's some upsets we're coming up this number six seed, Eastview Lightning, against the Howley Nuggets. You can go follow that on MSHSN John on Twitter to cast your votes. I'm voting against this weekend over the next round, so a little fun there with the high school stuff. So that's always good with the nicknames. It's always good. Uh, a couple of things we have here from our Facebook stuff. I just want to lighten up the mood here a little bit. The meme of the week. A new, uh, new part of the show we'll have here. I do have, uh, here we go. Here, I'll bring it up. I'm looking for it. All right. I'm ready. Patrick Starr. Top picture for those of you reading it. I'll kind of explain it to you for on the radio there. Top picture is Patrick. It's like NFL planning and return on time. And there's all serious look, you know. And NFL planning to restart July 31st. And there's a scientific look. And then him with nailing a board to his head. Talk about Major League Baseball. Not knowing what they're doing, basically. Um, but, yes. It's kind of the way it feels like with these teams. NFL. NHL also. Um. Seems like we're getting back together here pretty soon, too. So, Minnesota Wild in the playoffs for that. They'll play the, play the Vancouver Canucks. Still don't know locations for that. But, again, we'll keep you posted on the Facebook page. Keep that alerted. But NHL playoffs starting soon. NBA wrapping up their season. Baseball not knowing what they're doing. Tweet of the week. Um, CJ Minkowski, he's a former pitcher. He now does the uh, audio or the TV for the 
Rangers, Texas Rangers, and he's on MLB Network once in a while. And you catch him on Fox Radio calling in once in a while and everything else. His tweet of the week. And this is, this is kind of his sense of humor, too, so if you ever listen to him, this kind of makes sense. Goes, my wife had an odd way of comforting my son after a rough pitching outing yesterday. Well, at least you still have a house to live in. When Dad pitched bad, we had to move. So, yes, nice love at home from the wife there for from Mrs. CJ. Excellent, excellent. That's pretty good. Um, you kind of skip ahead there, Dan, sorry to throw you off. Uh, football. Gladwell, receiver for that. Patriots. Oh, yes. We'll bring this up real quick here. He was found dead. Um, unlike major news networks, we're not going to jump in and speculate stuff here right now. We don't know really what caused all this, what happened, what the situation was. Um, there was a passing of a player. He played for the Patriots a lot. I, I don't know good, bad, or indifferent any situations on it. Um, but yes, we will. if anything comes up, we will keep you posted. Or like I said, again, follow us on the social media. But another wide receiver for the Patriots tough life, tough issues, I don't know what it was, speculating on all that, kind of from what I've heard already, but found dead, um, family's all in shock and mourning, um, thoughts and prayers, of course, to the family on that, that no one deserves that. Um, yeah, he came up with the uh, the Chargers, I think, right? Yes. Did, did he start with them? Okay. And he did play in the Super Bowl with the Patriots, so that's kind of where people handle the names. Oh, yes, it. yes. Uh, a couple things music-wise before we get into the birthdays and stuff. Um, I've got uh, two notes also uh, in sports before we move on. Go ahead, sir. Go right ahead. Uh, Canterbury Park opened uh, for those for those interested here in the uh, in the local area. Canterbury Park has opened uh, Jan- uh, June tenth, and so and also for sports, high school sports. I've got two updates. Uh, one update actually for conferences. The Metro West Conference uh, here. Uh, locally, uh, we have three new additions for the 2021 fall season. So not this, not this fall, but the next fall, uh, Waconia, New Prague, and Orono are going to be added to the Metro West Conference, along with Chaska, Chanhassen, and I think St. Louis Park. Uh, perhaps there's I think total of ten teams. So they've been working the last couple of years to get that up to speed between six, seven, eight teams. Now they're going to have a full slot, a full slate, 10 teams for the 2021 season. And all the participants there are happy, actually overjoyed, I think. The the, the coach, the athletic director for New Prague, uh, very happy to be in this. This is going to be a very good conference to watch for sports going forward, starting in the 2021 fall. Now that's all I've got. Um kind of side music notes here for getting the music birthdays and stuff. Uh, J.R. Smalling, start with him. Oh, yes. Passed away after a long battle of cancer. Uh, you look at the picture of, of J.R. there, you, you wouldn't know by looking at him. He's clammy, you wouldn't know by looking at him. He uh, did the voiceover for Kiss. Um, the announcements before the band came out all the time. You, know, you want the best, you got the best. That was him. He, uh, it was, it was their battle cry. He was a fierce, loyal crowd. He did whatever was necessary to make sure he could do for our shows, no matter what, who stood in the way. Um, he, he was um, a road manager. He was, a, whatever. he was a road manager for Kiss from way back in the day. He was with them for a long time. The band is very had nice tribute on their pages for it. Um, very did whatever. Do you have the audio, Dan, for him? Yes, I do. Here we go. I'll play it. 
Yeah, so that's what he was he was known for. Yeah, that he was known for that. And anyone who has attended a Kiss concert ever that that precedes every show. Uh, that's that's that that became uh, uh, legend. And in fact, one of their greatest hits albums was called that. You wanted yes. the best, you got the best. Yep. One more thing before the birthdays and history. Saturday night, 7 p.m. Um, I checked it out right before we came on here to make sure. Hairball Live, Saturday night. It's going to be a Facebook Live only, so you got to go to Hairball's page on Facebook. I know some of the different guys from Hairball have done stuff, live recordings from their home during the whole uh, COVID-19 thing. But nice weather. Sit down on your deck, have your laptop out there, or your phone. Let's do a little hairball music Saturday night, 7 p.m. on their Facebook page. I see. So it's a Facebook event. Okay. Yeah. I see. And this is a pure fan of hairball doing it. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm all happy if you guys want to give me a check. Just send it over. We'll take care of it. But this is just a pure fan pushing it. Get you back in some music scene, some concert scene, stuff like that. That's fun. They're starting to redo concerts right now, rebook them. So keep an eye open for that. Well, okay. That sounds... Awesome. We can cut over to the next segment, um, I think, here. Birthdays and sports birthdays next, yes. Awesome. All right, let's hit into some updates. Yes, musically, this week in history. Music. This week in music, yes. I'll bring up the uh, items here as we go through. This is from the, the weeks, like I said, every two weeks now. So June 1st through the 14th we're covering here. June 1st, 1976, The Runaways released their debut album. Bill was the first all-female rock. Some names you might recognize from The Runaways came out later. Lita Ford, their uh, back left as you're looking at the picture. And lower right, Joan Jett. So there's a... Uh, there they are. This was... Right. No, Andy, this is a 1976... Uh, Photo. That's his old school right there. That is old. You tell by the outfits, it wasn't a recent picture, no. Alita <laughs> uh, Ford, Sandy West, Jackie Fox, Joan Jett, and Cherry Carey. There they are. That's the girls. The band did change people a few times through, but that's the original band of The Runaways. Uh, very nice rock music. I mean, if you like Alita Ford and Joan Jett, uh, Joan Jett actually a few years ago, when uh, Brian Johnson at ACDC went down with hearing problems. Before Axl Rose took over, she was one of the people ACDC was thinking of bringing in. Oh. That would have been worth watching because she's a great singer to see her perform some of those songs. It would have been kind of neat. June 2nd, speaking of girl bands, Mickey Steele, bassist for the Bangles, was born Susan Nancy Thomas in, Ca- in uh, Pasadena, California. And she was an early member of the Runaways, so she filled in for those girls when they left. But um, Mickey Steele... Basis for the Bangles. If you remember the Bangles, Walk Like an Egyptian. Um, all the, I just remember Susanna Hobbs from the Bangles, but that was just kind of blurred to me. <laughs> but uh, I didn't even know there was three other people in the band until after I, you know. But yeah. So that's them. There they are, the Bangles. Um, June 3rd, 1977. With the BBC, British Broadcasting Company, refusing to air the Kinks' new single, Lola, because it's referenced to Coca-Cola. Brand names were a no-no back then for them to push on there. So Ray Davies flies all the way from London to New York to re-record the line, when you drink champagne, it tastes like cherry cola. So that's how that happened. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
I'm going to say all the way from London, New York. Okay, well, back in 1977, that was all the way from London, New York. Now I know people do it daily for business and everything else, but it's kind of a big deal back then. All right, here we go. 1965, Susie Quattro was born in Detroit. She makes her musical mark in England, where she moves to in 71. After Mickey Most signs her to his label, in America, she's better known as Leather Tuscadero from Happy Days. Oh, yes. There. Yes. All right. Well, hang tight here. Here it comes. Here's the Picture old. There's Leather. Hello. Great name. Yes. Leather Tuscadero. Uh, fine memories of Leather Tuscadero. <laughs> June 4th, 1999. As he predicted in his title track, Kid Rock goes platinum with his album Devil Without a Cause. It goes on to sell another 10 million copies. Um, old fact about Kid Rock, if you remember MTV, for some of you younger people, MTV used to actually play videos all the time on their channel. They'd have a spring break edition, and there was a guy down there who was a DJ, you know, scratching with the albums type DJ, and it was Kid Rock. So... He eventually started recording, and uh, his music is pretty good. I'm, I'm a Kid Rock fan. I like his uh, different genres he covers. Yeah, so Kid Rock's album, 1999. Um, June 5th, 1983, U2 plays the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Despite the rain, the concert is goes on. Is later recorded and put under the Under the Blood Red Sky album. It was recorded there. Um, I've never been to a concert at the amphitheater in Colorado, but I hear it's just incredible. I've been I've been there to look at it uh, on a trip, but never during a concert, and it's a it's a fabulous location. And the way it's set up, you don't have any speakers. It's all the acoustics is so is so good. Yeah, it's uh, you're tucked away in a, in a side of the of the mountain. It's a really neat setup. Nineteen fifty nine. Local boy Robert Zimmerman graduates from Hibbing High School in Minnesota. He moves on to the University of Minnesota, but soon leaves for New York City to become a full-time folk singer known as Bob Dylan. Mm. Um, yeah. Bob Dylan, local boy, Hibbing High School, 1959, graduated. So there's a Bob local boy. We kind of like him. Him and Prince, there's a combination for you. 1992, Guns N' Roses, uh, their November Rain video. About nine minutes long after the video. Most expensive video ever made at that point. Cost $1.5 million. But the budget was spent, most of the budget was spent constructing the church in the desert that Slash stood up in front of. Yeah, there it is. You know, small I, town in northern Minnesota, you can find that church on every other corner. I didn't know that. Uh, what was the amount again? Say it to the listeners, the dollars. $1.5 million. Wow. 20 years ago, that was a lot of money. Still a lot of money if you ask me. For a music video, that was a lot of money back then. Just to put it... You know, nowadays, they just photo image one in the back of them. No, they actually built a church, put it in there, because he walks through the church in the video, so it had to be a real building. There it is. 1999. On his 35th birthday. So hence, this is also Prince's birthday. June 7th. Prince changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol, making him literally... An icon. Um, that's when he changed his name to the symbol. And that lasted for a few years. That was mostly because of uh, issues with the record company on proceeds and uh, 
stuff like that. So he changed his name to the symbol. Yeah, shaved in his face for a while in his beard. He headed in there. Um, and you know what? Didn't hurt his career at all. A lot of people thought it was career suicide. Not Prince. He could change his name to a symbol and still be popular. In fact, his Southern's album, one of his first albums after that, in my opinion, is my favorite Prince album in it. Anyway, so... Yeah, they had a lot of uh, restrictions on what he could and could not do, and the contract was all drawn up in his name. You know, everything was related to Prince, so he didn't like it. There was no really way to fight it. Changed his name to a symbol for the time period that he needed, I think, for those things to expire, perhaps. Is that why? Yeah. And then he went back to yeah, Prince, but that's... That and get a new contract written. Yep. We'll record, but now have the new stuff under that. Without change his name to Roger Nelson, which was his name. Um, to avoid all that, he just changed to a symbol. Yep, and that was a time that, uh, you know, he basically considered uh, he was a slave to the system there of the music industry, and I think that was when he had that tape over his face called Slave on that one photo. By uh, uh, That was not to, to be dealing with Slave as far as today's uh, with the protests and everything going on, but right. a slave to the record label. They owned you, and um, Prince did not take too kindly to that, and sure enough, change his name to sidestep as a loophole to get around all that but uh yeah some of these these record labels are this is big business and it's some nasty stuff so yeah a lot um, of record labels back in the day there they would push bands to get more albums put out and that's why sometimes bands would hit a lump they'd have to have a cruddy album yep i think ben Hamlin's diver down was basically that's why it was rushed out the record album company wide another album out they'll set the they'll set the dates and the times and um and that's what's that's so so sad is that these young young bands that try to make it do as much as they can to get up there finally they get a big signing and then the big signing by the record label railroads you into doing what they want you to do and uh on their own timetable and so that's where you can't always want to wish don't be uh, i'll be happy when you when you start wishing for things and sometimes you get it and it's not as as fun because they'll say we want three uh albums out in the next three years and uh, we'll go from there so it's it's nasty nasty business oh yeah tour and promote the album while you're at it too easy to try to write and record another one correct that's what kind of killed cinderella's career there too after a while it, was, it wasn't fun anymore when you're just writing 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 you don't get a chance to go that kind of hurt them, and along with other bands around that time. Yep. Goes, well, these bands are great. Why did they drop off the face of the earth after three albums? Look at the record contract. Speaking of records, 2004, ACDC's Back in Black album goes double platinum, becoming just the sixth album to receive the, that, which is over 20 million sales in, the, in America. Double platinum. That album was released in 1980, July 20th, 1980. So in 24 years, it sold 20 million copies for Back in Black. Wow. That is unreal. Um, June 9th, 2007. Um, more Kiss news for you. Gene Simmons of Kiss files for a trademark application for the Devil Horns hand gesture, which he claims he invented in 1974. There it is, yes. If you look at any pictures of Gene since then for Kiss, he's always holding that up. I know he did that and the Moneybags logo. He tried to get copyright for that too, so... Yeah, he tried to, uh, he got a lawyer involved and started, he went through a phase of copywriting and getting trademarks for everything, and certainly enough, anything uh, that was commonplace, him and his lawyer looked up and um, that you assume that there's copyrights for, they found out that a lot of these things weren't. So yeah. whether it was for, uh, you know, shits and giggles, or they did it for, for serious or for fun, 
or to uh, to make some money on the side, he started trademarking all these things. Now, Gene Simmons went as far as to say that he invented this uh, image on the right, which is which is good. Uh, show it up uh, uh, for the for the listeners: the frontwards versus the backwards, because a lot of the rock stars will do the other way. Gene's was forward, and so that's why. Uh, with, the, with the fingers uh, out, uh, and so very interesting, but not surprising for Mr. Gene Simmons. He he loved to delve into these types of things. Yes, he he didn't invent it; he reinvented or reinvent, you know, revamp, revamped it. That's the word. Yeah, Gene's always trying to copyright something. Um, I know I heard an interview with him years ago. The name Kiss, him and Paul have it copyrighted. But don't be surprised if the name carries on, and they just find four totally different musicians doing it. Like him and his family will see it proceeds from the name Kiss. Kind of like a lot of the other old school bands. Um, Oak Ridge Boys, Statler Brothers, you know, that's bands that have just carried on. Or how many bands are you supposed to see, see today? Uh, Grand Funk Railroad has one original member in it, but it's still Grand Funk Railroad. Yep. You know, other bands like that. Um, 1990, Wilson Phillips hit number one in the Hot 100s with their song Hold On. A feat accomplished by their famous parents in the 60s, uh, Wendy and Carney Wilson and Wilson Phillips are daughters of Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And China Phillips was born to John and Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and Papas. So it was Kids of Musicians did an album. Uh, they were pretty good. I thought it was a good album. And a lot of things in the 90s, it was children of 60s bands were trying to get together to make music. And this was one of the few that was good and uh, made some money on it. But there, Wilson Phillips did that in 1990. Birthday. 1915, Les Paul, key developer of the electric guitar, was born in Lester William, and he was born in Wisconsin. It's a kind of a local boy there. Um, there's a, a Les Paul guitar there. You look at Les Paul, look up Les Paul guitars on Google search or something. Every guitar you've ever thought of is going to be sitting up there. Uh, lots of lots of uh, guitarists use Les Pauls. It looks like a basic design, but that's. That's the Cadillac of guitars. That's the one everybody wants. That's a classic, and that's uh, some of my favorite uh, musicians and guitarists uh, all used Les Paul signature guitars. Usually the Sunburst, uh, or you know Ace Frehley, these types of guys. Uh, Jimmy Page, uh, very impactful to a lot of people. But uh, Les Paul, Paul, what was his real name again? Uh, oh, you're gonna make me butcher the last name. Lester William Pasoff. Pasoffs. Pasoff. Okay. L-S-F-U-S-S. And how and he how old was he? Was he like ninety four when he died or something? Yeah, he was in his mid to late nineties, I remember, yes. Okay. So it was just genius. Genius in the music industry. Well, well ahead of his time. Uh, June twelfth, nineteen seventy seven, speaking of good guitarists, blues rocker Kenny Wayne Shepherd was born. He was born in Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, uh, a lot of blues, southern rock. Uh, country, that type of music, but uh, Kenny White Shepherd, very good guitar- guitarist. Um, his name comes up a lot. He's filled in with other bands and filled in with uh, solo artists to play with. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, very good guitarist. Um, 1966, a little Beatles news here for you. Deeming its butcher cover in poor taste, Columbia Records recalls the new Beatles album, Yesterday and Today which is scheduled for release the next day and has already been sent to some source. There's their album cover. Why they went with that, I don't know. Um, it's the Beatles. Let's just leave it at that. But yesterday and today, which uh, a little side note on that album, are you familiar with the band Y&T? Yes. That's where they got their name. 
Is that is that right? Beatles fans from yesterday and today. Y&T, yes, a band, a rock band in the 80s. Summertime Girls, yes. Did not know that. Yep. That's what I got for music. Let's go into the sports, birthdays, and calendar for the last two weeks in history. June 1st, 1925. New York Yankees member Lou Gehrig begins his 2,130 consecutive game streak and he pinch hit. Pinch hit. That's right. Or Pee Wee Weininger. Now, I, the story is, is he pinch hit Tilden because he had a migraine and didn't want to play. So Garrett goes in and 2,000 games later, still going. 2012. Mets pitcher Johan Santana throws the first no-hitter in the 50-year career of the Mets by beating the St. Louis Cardinals 8-0. Uh, a few great things about that game. A, Johan Santana, former twin great pitcher. B, it was against the St. Louis Cardinals. Couldn't have a better team. The sad thing was, is at that time, the pitchers were really getting their pitch count. They, they weren't going over so many. Johan threw so many pitches in that game. If you look at his numbers, he was really never the same after that. So, uh, went out with a bang, if you will. Uh, Luno here in Mets history, number 5-7 there. Johan Santana. June 2nd, 1935. Babe Ruth, at the age of 40. Announces his retirement as a player. Babe did try managing for a while afterwards. Um, he was 40 when he retired, so he did play a pretty good career considering all his health issues at the time. He made it to 40. June 4th, 1974. NFL grants a franchise to the Seattle Seahawks, who played in the kingdom there for a while. Um, one of the first West Coast, Pacific Coast teams, Northern Pacific Coast. Uh, up in the north of those. That's him team in California. Now you kind of going up north, and a lot of people complaining because of travel and everything else, but you know what? It, it's no farther to go from Denver to Seattle than Denver to L.A., or from here to Seattle or here to L.A. They just, they just all thought it was so foreign to go way up there, but we've gotten over that. But yeah, Seattle, 1974, the NFL granted them. I think it was 76 or 77 they started playing. But there they go. Jim Zorn was one of their first quarterbacks who uh, ended up being a quarterback coach. Gophers, I believe, for a while in the NFL. Steve Largen, one of the greatest receivers of all time, uh, went on to serve in Congress for a few years. So they've had some good players there. Pretty nice little team and area up there. They kind of got the market to themselves up there in the Pacific Northwest. June 6th, 1992. New York Mets first baseman Eddie Murray records his 1,510th RBI during a 15-1 thrashing of the Pittsburgh Pirates. An all-time RBI leader for switch hitters. One of the few switch-hitting uh, categories of Pete Rose is not first in. It's not RBI. Eddie Murphy has that distinction right there. Eddie, Eddie Murray, one of the best. June 9th, 1966. Five Minnesota Twins. Richie Rollins, Zoila Vasardes, Tony Oliva, Dan Mercher, and Harmon Killebrew all home in the seventh inning as the Twins beat the A's 9-4. I think about five home runs in a game, big deal. That was all in one inning. In one inning, that is unbelievable. That's really weird to hear that, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I, I thought, wow, that's five and a home I, I had to read it twice. So I had five home runs in a game, big deal. Oh, wait, that was one inning. So there you go. And uh, some good names on there, too. It wasn't like, you know, there were Harmon and Zoilo and Tony, guys you expected home runs, so that was good. June 10th, 1921. Babe Ruth becomes the all time home run champ with 120. 
just look at that number now, 120 home runs. That's like four years for some guys, three years, you know. I mean, Pete Alonso had 50-some last year, so he, two years he could beat that record already. Home runs were not a big thing back then in baseball. Yeah, that's a, rare, that's a rare stat, uh, the 120. What year was it? Babe Ruth passed it in 1921. And that was all the rage. Wow. Almost 100 years. Yep. 1913, birthday, Vince Lombardi. Coach Vince Lombardi was born on this day in Brooklyn, New York. Um, 1913, coach of the Packers. Um, and then 1956, Joe Montana, the San Francisco 49ers, later the Kansas City Chiefs, was born in New Eagle, Pennsylvania on this day in 1956. Uh, Joe Montana, Notre Dame, I believe, went to college. Yes. June 12, 1939, Major League Baseball officially has the Hall of Fame come into play. That's where it started at in Cooperstown, New York, June 1939. June 14, 1952, Pat Summit. Uh, she was basketball coach at University of Tennessee. Kind of took women's basketball to the next level. Um, Here she is. Historic coach. Um, one of the best coaches, one of the best legendary coaches of all time. I've never heard a bad word about her. Uh, you follow college basketball, women's college basketball. You look it up, and all, everything leads back to her. One last one here. 1969, Steffi Graf, German tennis player. She uh, won the Golden Slam in 1988, which was the Grand Slam and the Olympics, the Golden Slam. Ah. 22 Grand Slam singles titles, was born in Germany. Later on after their career, she married Andre Agassi. I believe they live in Germany now that she was Andre Agassi was got the long, lion mame hair back in the day, playing tennis at the Canon camera commercials. Him and Steffi Graf married. They would happily ever after somewhere in Europe, I believe. That's what I got, sir. What is in your discman this week? That you're listening well, to? let's take a take a break here, and I'll come on with the album of the review right after this. Sure. Alrighty, album of the week this week. I'm getting my notes here together. It's a super group. Today's uh, is a super group and Audio Slave. It's going to be Audio Slave, their self, their debut album, right there. And so that's what I'm going to go through uh, next. Let's get to this here. Let's see. So, all right. Audio Slave album. Audio Slave album. Debut album by American rock supergroup Audio Slave. It was first released on November 18th, 2002. Now, here is the band. Right there. Um, it, it released through Epic Records and Interscope Records. Album features hit singles Cochise. Show Me How to Live, What You Are, Like a Stone, and I Am the Highway. The album was later certified triple platinum. So, Andy, you had mentioned earlier in the show uh, the ACDC album, Back in Black, that sold, uh, was it 20 million? Yep. 20 million, big time. Uh, platinum is huge, huge which, is, which is 1 million. Uh, Audio Slave's album here uh, sold 3 million copies. And the interesting thing there is... Uh, Audio Slave was formed after Zach Della Rocha left Rage Against the Machine. Now, 
I was never a big fan of Rage Against the Machine. I never really liked those guys. Uh, Zach left, which left the band without a vocalist. Chris Cornell was no longer in Soundgarden after they broke up. And Chris Cornell comes over, becomes the lead singer. They form a band, rename themselves Audio Slave, and uh, very uh, heavy metal. Uh, they released a, a total of three albums. The last one was more funk, more of a funk with Tom Morello in there with the guitar work by him. But these first, this first album was very good. In fact, it had 14 songs in the album, and the song Like a Stone was nominated in the 2004 Grammys for Best Hard Rock Performance. This album is 60... Yes, like we mentioned before, uh, the name change, it's really the same band. Uh, 60, it's a 65-minute CD, which is, which is uh, very long, uh, produced by Rick Rubin. And they wanted to bring in a, a, a lead singer, uh, and, the, and Rubin is the one who recommended bringing in Chris Cornell, who was working on a solo album at the time. He came in, uh, didn't come in yet, but he said he played a song to the members of Rage Against the Machine. The song was a Soundgarden song called Slaves and Bulldozers. Uh, very heavy, wide-ranging vocals. And they said, oh yes, we have to get this guy. And uh, Chris Cornell dropped his solo project that he was working on, shelved it for the time being, joined up, uh, joined in with his group, and they got together. They wrote 21 songs in the first 19 days of rehearsal and began working on the album in the studio in late May of 2001. Songs were first heard from this album when 13 tracks were released, or leaked, I should say. Uh, some demo tracks were leaked, on, leaked onto various peer-to-peer share hosting. Some of these si- songs, uh, so- uh, sites that came out, uh, was it Lime, LimeWire? Uh, and so people were stealing and downloading all these, all these music. Someone released demo tracks. Remember, this, this group just got together, uh, and they were going to be this super group, and they wanted to have everything fine-tuned and ready to go to release their first album because everyone was expecting so much. Well, what got leaked out there was some demo tracks that were very rough cuts and uh, uh, not very good. Tom Morello, the guitarist, said it was very frustrating, especially with a band like this. There was a certain amount of expectation. And he blamed it on... He said what I think happened, he blamed, quote, some jackass intern at Bad Animal Studios in Seattle probably stole the demos and put them on the internet without the band's permission. And uh, once again, you know, Seattle and Chris Cornell from uh, Soundgarden and Cornell from Seattle, Bad Animals Studio, once again from Seattle, relating back to the band Heart. That was Heart, yeah. That was Heart, a lot of uh, connections there too. He believes a intern working there at the record uh, studio got it out there, and the, then they get they finally get the the songs done and ready to be released. But the band was nearly derailed before the albums were released because Chris Cornell was going through alcohol problems, and which even canceled a slot for the band on the Ozfest tour that year, and so. Uh, there was even rumor that Cornell had checked him into some drug rehab at, at the time. So lots of rumors. Remember, they got together in early 2001. They had most of the recording studio and, and the songs done in May and June of 2001. 
Now here we are in 2002, OzFest portion was canceled, and he later confirmed it in an interview that Cornell had checked himself into alcohol rehab with an interview with Metal Hammer magazine that was conducted from a clinic payphone. <laughs> so Cornell heads out to a payphone outside, does the interview, and says, yes, it's true, I am in here. He had gone in and out of uh, alcohol problems, and then once he got himself cleaned up after this, stayed sober for the next how many years, 2002 uh, before he died in 2017, was was sober, clean and sober, but really had issues going through this uh, with, this, with, with the slave. Uh, and he said he was going through, quote, a personal, horrible personal crisis during the record uh, and then stayed in rehab for two months and actually involved separating from his wife at the time, who was Susan Sliver, uh, Susan, Susan Silver, I think, at the time, who was the manager for... I think Allison Chains early on, also from Seattle. So he was going through a lot of things. Uh, got the problems ironed out, remained sober uh, until his passing in 2017. The band toured through 2003 and rested in 2004 to get ready for their second second album. And the the strange thing with with Audio Slave, many don't know this, and I'm probably one of the one of the few who think this is that. A lot of their songs are actually Christian-based rock songs with the lyrics heavily to do with faith and including God and or Jesus in a lot of the songs and a lot of the music. And so their second album was called Out of Exile, kind of relating back to the, the Moses times. And their last album is called Revelations, the last book of the uh, last book of the Bible. Now the artwork, if you look at the bottom left here, I've got the album cover up, that big, huge kind of eternal flame. That was designed by Storm Thorgerson, who was a uh, was best known for his work on some Pink Floyd album covers, very good. They wanted to have a volcanic, volcanic, an eternal flame, a graphic flame, uh, like a volcanic island, and so that's what they had. At first, they had a, a a naked man standing on the left hand side of it, staring at this flame. They said, "No, that's kind of creepy," so they put clothes on him. If you zoom in, you can see the man down at the bottom left. Standing at that flame. At first, it was a naked man looking at the flame, uh, but they weren't. So we were not quote entirely sure of the nude figure. They said scrap, scrap that. But he did some Pink Floyd, some Pink Floyd, uh, yeah, work. The lyrics were all done by Cornell, and so this was a whole band that the music and the instruments were all done with the Rage Against the Machine. But there was no collaboration on the. Lyrics. They brought in Cornell and all 14 songs he wrote himself, which leads us back to that whole writing style of what he was going through yeah. um, back then. It's actually some very, very good stuff. The album itself, re re a lot of mixed reviews. Some people liked it. Some record reviews didn't like it. Um, and I'm going to find a spot here. There's an interesting quote. They, some said it was good. Some said it was the worst kind of studio rock album didn't make sense. They described Cornell's lyrics as complete gibberish. And so I think that is true. If you don't know what he's talking about in the lyrics, it would be complete gibberish. But uh, this is a man very much in tune with things. This album was ranked 281st out of Hard Rock Magazine's book of the top 500 greatest rock and roll, rock and metal albums of all time. Way down there, 281, but still on the top list of 500. 
certified gold right after less than a month after its release it already went gold and like I said it ended up uh, finishing triple platinum the songs in the album Cochise featured on Talladega Nights the movie of Ricky the ballad of Ricky Bobby uh, very good song song two is show me how to live three is gasoline four is what you are like a stone is song number five very much a, a faith-based uh, song set it off shadow on the song on the sun song seven also big very faith songs number eight i am the highway this very same thing uh you're going to understand the lyrics if you understand it very deep meanings to some of these songs Number nine, the song Exploder is about a wrongly convicted man serving time in prison who has enough faith that he's not actually worried about it and goes about his life just fine. It's a whole song about a, uh, someone who's uh, serving life in prison when they didn't commit the crime. Song 10 is called Hypnotize. That's about sharing the wealth. Uh, you don't know what you've got. Uh, don't keep all your good luck to yourself. Don't keep all your good luck to yourself. Share it. Song 11 is Bring Them Back Alive. 12 is Light My Way. 13 is Getaway Car. And the song Last Remaining Light is song 14 on the album. Like I said, it goes 65 songs, 65 minutes. It was released later as a dual disc with the bonus track Give. If you look at the lyrics to the song track to live, Give, it's about the how important it is to give rather than always taking, always giving. He said the best thing to do is to watch someone's look in their eyes as you give them a gift, as you give something to someone else and look them in the eyes. Uh, Chris Cornell was very much in tune and going through whatever he was going through at the time, but very deep, very deep lyrics. Cornell on the vocals, Tim Comerford on the bass, Brad Wilk on drums, and the ever-popular Tom Morello on the guitars. Um, so they released... They released, the song releases in 2002 was Cochise, later on Like a Stone in 2003, and then middle of 2003 was Show Me How to Live, and I Am the Highway, and then the last song that was released is What You Are. Good stuff, heavily uh, recommended. I was not a fan uh, when they first came out, but uh, over the last five years, uh, but, but loved all their, loved all their, all their work. Uh, that's all I've got for the album of the week. What do you think, okay, how they changed names when New Lead Singer came in? Um, Van Halen never changed names when Hagar came in or when Gary Sharon came in. Do you think if they would have kept the name Rage, Rage Against the Machine, it would have been as popular? I don't know. I, for one, probably would not have listened to them um, if it was Rage Against the Machine. Um, but, but who knows? Audio Slave was a little different. Uh, like I said, they released three albums in their tenure uh, all very good songs but it's a different it's a different kind of a mix it's a different it's it takes several times through to get it to grow it grow and then it, when it does it grows on you but some also some very good music videos come out of these come out of these albums but once again I'm a Chris Cornell fan I like almost anything he's done and so that's why I like it here myself. You eventually because you heard Cornell was on there. You probably would have got to it eventually. Then I would have got to it eventually anyway uh, because he was on there. Now, recently with all the politics going on, we don't like to stay uh, stray too far from that, from our show. But Morello, very interesting. Tom Morello has always been very vocal on his thoughts on social justice and politics and things like that. And that's probably, 
that part of the reason they named themselves Rage Against the Machine. But the th I think that was funny. This last, this very last week, just a day or two ago on Twitter, someone called them out, uh, Tom Morello, just with all the protests and the riots going on, says, Tom, you need to stay out of your politics. Stay in music and shut up about your politics belief. And, he, and his answer was, well, I, I've been doing this my whole life. This is, it's almost like Ted Nugent, you know, speaking out right. on certain things. He's, it comes second nature to him. So uh, it's very interesting. But I do like... The basis from Nirvana. Yes. And I don't like this. I don't like to see that either. But the guys who's always done it, you know, Morello's always uh, done yeah. it. But, uh, you know, Nugent the same way. But uh, it was funny, the response, because obviously the person saying it wasn't a big, wasn't too big of a fan because you would have known that for the last 20 years. That's all, that's all he sings. That's all he writes about anyway. It's all he talks about. So. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome yeah. to the party. So that's it. That's all I've got for this uh, for this week. Anything more on sports, Andy, or music? Uh, just, you know, music, like I said, I've seen some places are starting to book concerts for October maybe a little bit. Um, I, I know we used to always give concerts coming up locally. I'm kind of waiting on that. I want to see if anything sticks first. I mean, people are penciling, penciling dates in. I don't want to get too excited on stuff. I think the hairball thing this weekend is going to be pretty cool. I heard Garth Brooks was doing a thing at drive-in movie theaters. Where it's going to be at. 10 bucks or 100 bucks a car to get in. Oh, nice. Well, if you got six people in your van, you pull in, just under 20 bucks each. It's just it's a drive in theater. So, I hope your radio works good or your, your sound is going to be terrible. But So, he's working on stuff like that this summer. I know we got four drive ins here in the Minnesota area, so keep an ear for that, where they're going to be. I don't know if it's going to be the Litchfield one or not. I haven't heard. I just heard this story hours before we came on today. So, But that, I know other places are starting to. He's got even smaller venues, um, like the Point and Prior Lake and little things like that are starting to see if they can get, now they can open up more, they might do some stuff coming up, so keep your ears on the little venues like that also, your, your bar and grill that have the fans in there every now and then, outside shows, see what happens, uh, I know Menace is wanting to play again pretty soon, Hairball's doing their thing, we'll see, hopefully by next episode we'll have some tour dates for people coming up, and go from there. Alrighty, today is June 12th. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep your comments below. We'll uh, certainly use them in future shows. Uh, but thanks again for listening, um, and enjoy your weekend. See ya.